make a donation, visit biblicallycorrectpodcast.org slash donate. And if you enjoy this episode, please like, share, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. Thank you for your support. Church isn't a place, it's the people. Welcome to the Biblically Correct Podcast. Shalom, y'all. This is the Biblically Correct Podcast, teaching biblical correctness in a biblically incorrect world. My name is Kevin Jeffrey. I'm a Jewish follower of the Messiah Yeshua, Jesus, and I love teaching the scriptures. In a previous episode, I challenged the idea that most people hold in their heads about church, that church is the Lord's house, a building or other physical place where believers can go to attend congregational worship services. And this concept is perpetuated today also under other names, such as assembly, fellowship, congregation, or Messianic synagogue. But when we look to the scriptures, we find that what they call an English church doesn't actually resemble what we think of as church at all. Rather, what the Bible calls in Greek the ecclesia, we can understand better not as church, but as the called forth, a far more literal and accurate term representing the true scriptural concept. Because unlike quote-unquote church, the called forth, according to the Bible, isn't a place to go, and it isn't a thing to do. It's the people. We, the followers of Messiah, are the called forth of God. This is the point that I want to drive home with you today, because the idea that we are the church, we are the called forth, is something that almost every believer knows, yet hardly any believers act like they know. In practice, hardly any of us see ourselves as the called forth outside the context of worship services and congregational buildings. So this teaching today is meant to not only reinforce what you might already know, but to bring it to the surface, to make the concept more prominent in your mind, to help you picture more clearly how the scriptures describe it so that you'll never see quote-unquote church the same way ever again. I want to completely wreck your current thinking that there's something special about that building or something special about going to those worship services that makes you the called forth of God. I want to separate in your mind the concept of the called forth from buildings and services and to cement the idea that the called forth is only ever people. Okay? So let's get to the word. That the called forth isn't a building or worship service, but people, is obvious from even the most cursory, plain reading of Scripture. Take, for example, Acts 8.3, which takes place before Paul, Shaul, became a believer. But Shaul was ravaging the called forth, entering into every house and dragging off both men and women, giving them up to prison. Is a church building a man or a woman? Can church services be dragged off and imprisoned? And Paul recalls doing this to the called forth in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, where he writes, For I am the least of the emissaries, who is not worthy to be called an emissary, because I persecuted the called forth of God. Can an inanimate object or meeting place be persecuted? Or how about 1 Corinthians eleven twenty two, when the people were being gluttonous when they came together to eat? And Paul chastised them, saying, Have you not your own houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the called forth of God and shame those 
not having anything? Can a physical structure be hungry, impatient, or shamed? This is the characterization of the called forth that we find repeatedly throughout the scriptures. The called forth has personal character traits and personal experiences because the called forth is literally people. The people were being thrown in prison. The people were being persecuted. The people were eating and being despised and shamed. And amazingly, they didn't have to be in a specially built or specially designated structure in order to be the called forth. They were the called forth when they were in their own homes and in other people's homes, and even while they were being dragged off to prison. Where the called forth was didn't change what they were. And of course, all this is built on the teachings of the master himself, who refers directly to the called forth in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He's responding to Kepha, to Peter's revelation from two verses earlier that Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And after affirming that revelation, Yeshua says to Kepha, And I also say to you that you are a rock, and upon this rock I will build my called forth, and the gates of Sheol will not prevail against it. In other words, Kepha and his revelation of Yeshua form the foundation of Yeshua's called forth. The called forth is built on a spiritual rock, built up as a spiritual house made with living stones, as Kepha would later say. And that rock is not a physical building's foundation, but is a person, Kepha, and his profession of faith, a singular profession that all who are Yeshua's called forth must make. This is what the called forth is built on. So just from these few representative examples, we can easily see that when Scripture is referring to the called forth, the Scriptures are never referring to places, but to people. The called forth is always people. Probably one of the most extensive passages of Scripture that really emphasizes what the called forth is, or again, the church, as in most English Bibles, is found in Paul's analogy of the called forth as a wife in Ephesians chapter 5. In verses 22 through 33, Paul gives practical advice to married couples using the called forth's relationship to Yeshua as a pattern for marriage, while at the same time using marriage as a picture of the called forth. It's really quite brilliant the way he moves seamlessly between the two, turning a discussion about the relationship between husbands and wives into an insight into the mystery of Messiah and the called forth. So let's take a look at this whole passage, and we'll get a little marriage counseling while we're at it. So let's start in verse 22. He begins by addressing the wives. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the master, because the husband is head of the wife, as also the Messiah is head of the called forth. He is savior of the body. So right off the bat, Paul compares submission to one's husband to submission to Yeshua. In the first comparison, he says wives should submit to their husbands as they presumably already submit to the master. This standard for submission should negate any objection to it, at least in principle. It establishes that submission in and of itself isn't bad or unsafe, as some might think of it today 
But on the contrary, it is righteous and good. If you can submit to Messiah, you can submit to your husband. And we'll get to the husband's responsibility in this in a minute. In the second comparison, Paul says that the husband is the head of the wife and that wives should submit to that headship as also the Messiah is head of the called forth. Paul also extends this metaphor by saying that the called forth in relation to the head is the body of the Messiah and he is our savior. So wife's submission to her husband is like our collective submission to Yeshua as our head, as well as a physical body submission to its head. For the husband then, being the head of the wife, this means that it's his job to lead. And that's the reason that Paul gives for wives to submit, because the husband is the head, and he needs the cooperation of his wife in order to be the effective leader that God's called him to be. And this is the same reason why the called forth also submits to Messiah, because he's our leader, and we can't be resisting and working against his word and leadership and guidance, otherwise we're just a headless body. So whether it's husbands with their wives or Messiah with his called forth, submission is part of what enables that organism to function properly. In order to have a marriage that's functional and in order, the wife needs to submit to the husband. And in order for Yeshua's body to be functional and in order, the called forth needs to submit to the Messiah. Paul sums this up very plainly in verse 24 when he says, But as the called forth is submitted to Messiah, so also are the wives submitted to the husbands in everything. But Paul doesn't leave it at that. He then goes on to give both wives and the called forth very good reason to trust their submission to their respective leaders. Continuing in verse 25, he then turns to the husbands and says, Love the wives, as the Messiah also loved the called forth and gave himself for her, so that he might set her apart, so that he might present her to himself, the glorious called forth. In this same way, the husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, as the Messiah also loves the called forth, since we are members of his body. So the requirement that Paul places on husbands, because Yeshua modeled it first, isn't to rule over his wife with a heavy hand while she just obeys him in fear. That's the exact opposite of how husbands are supposed to behave toward their wives because that's not how God behaves toward those who love him. Instead, husbands are meant to love their wives as the Messiah also loved the called forth and gave himself for her. The kind of love that a husband is supposed to have for his wife is the kind that Yeshua has for the called forth. Even though Yeshua and husbands are the head, even though they have the full authority to rule, a Messiah-like love doesn't allow them to put themselves first, but rather it is self-sacrificial. It gives itself up for the sake of his loved ones. Just as Yeshua so loved the world and willingly went to the execution stake for the called forth, husbands are to lead and love self-sacrificially for their wives. 
And Paul goes on to explain why Yeshua loved the called forth this way, why he gave his life for her, so that he might set her apart, that he might set us apart and make us holy, so that he might present us to himself as the glorious called forth. And he accomplished this by giving up his own body, by subjecting his physical self to punishment and death for our holiness and glory. And to this, Paul says that husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, in the same way that Messiah also loves the called forth, since we are members of his body. And this is the mystery of the called forth that Paul says is revealed in the picture of marriage between a man and a woman. Quoting from Genesis 2.24, Paul goes on in verses 31 and 32 to say, For this reason will a man leave his father and mother and will be joined to his wife, and they, the two, will be for one flesh. This mystery is great, but I speak in regard to Messiah and to the called forth. What Messiah pictures to husbands and the called forth pictures to wives is reflected back to picture the great mystery in regard to Messiah and his called forth. That the church, the called forth, is us. Not merely a group of people following Messiah together, but the living, breathing members of his body, functioning as one submissive unit under his headship, partnering with him as helpmates to accomplish his work upon the earth. United with Yeshua, as a wife is with her husband, we are no longer two, but one, inseparable and holy. When we look at the collective testimony of Scripture, and especially this passage here in Ephesians, there's no legitimate way for the called forth to be seen as anything but people. No other entity or organization can be described in such vital terms. The called forth can be loved and submissive. It can be persecuted and ashamed. And it's even founded upon a human being with his profession of faith. Why? Because the called forth isn't a building or an institution, but a living organism. In some mysterious way, the called forth is Yeshua's actual hands, feet, mouth, and heart to the world, literally part of the Messiah himself. Paul says in Ephesians 1, and 23, And God put all things under Messiah's feet and gave him as head over all things to the called forth, which is his body, the fullness of him who was filling up all the things in all ways. Yeshua is calling you today to break forth from the mindset of church as services and buildings. He's calling us to see ourselves as his called forth so that we can be his fullness, the Messiah in us multiplied in others. The master Yeshua is our head. We, the called forth, are his body. Now is the time for Yeshua's people to come alive. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Biblically Correct Podcast. If you like this episode and want to see us make more, then we need your help. Visit our website at biblicallycorrectpodcast.org 
to support the work of Perfect Word Ministries and MJMI with your much-needed donations. And of course, don't forget to like, share, comment, subscribe, and ring the bell to receive notifications whenever a new episode is posted. If you have any questions about this teaching, or if there are any other topics you'd like to see me cover, leave me a comment, or shoot me an email at kevin at perfectword.org. That's kevin at perfectword.org. Until next time, remember that every scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for refuting, for setting a right, and for instruction that is in righteousness, so that the man of God may be fully equipped, having been completed for every good effort. Shalom.